Episode 25 of The Paul George Show welcomes any Hickman. There's these crazy lines in the book of Acts where it says they were all of one heart and one mind and no one counted his own possessions as his own. It's like they weren't even living here. Their possessions, their things, their shoes, like everything was to serve each other and the body. And I and I think about that and I look at homeless Christians and I go, should I be, you know, should I be inviting that guy in my house? Like, should he be living with me? The Paul George Show! Welcome to the Paul George Show. This week, Paul welcomes Any Hickman, president of Adore Ministries. He also hits the tough topics of beer fasting, bald man tug of war, and which religious order he would join. And now, from Christ Our King Studios in Lafayette, Louisiana... The imaginative Paul George. Welcome to the show. Great to be with you today in studio with the world wonder. Adam <gasps> the Carl. world wonder. <laughs> yeah, Dang, you like Paul. that? Yeah. Hey, good to be with you today, man. It's always exciting. It be, is being here doing the show. You know what's exciting to me, Paul? Whoa. We actually we actually got down. Got down. We actually broke down and and looked up statistics from the show. Okay. And people literally from all over the world are listening to the Paul George. I know. Isn't that crazy? That's what's great about... Singapore. Uh, Singapore. Thailand. Thailand. Saudi Arabia, Paul. Hey, bring us out there. We'll do it live. Yes. Fly us out to Dubai. Yeah. So the show is uploaded as a podcast. Um, but we we do the show here in Lafayette, Louisiana. It goes on the radio, KLFT Radio, Catholic Radio for Acadiana. And which is under, also the under the umbrella of Delta Media. And I had a friend uh, text me the other day, and he says, "Are you doing voiceover work?" I was like, I, I was <laughs> really confused by what he was saying. And uh, so we did a commercial for a local fundraiser, Raging mm-hmm. Cajun Catholic, this big boiling bash. And I did the voice for it. I just thought it was going on like the Catholic radio, but apparently it's going on all these radio stations. Right? So apparently I'm doing voiceover work. So (laughs) you want to play a little clip of that so people can get a a dose of of this? Get your tickets now. That's me. 33rd annual Boiling Bash at Blackham Coliseum on Saturday, March 25th. Yeah. Join Did you scream in the background too? Hey. I don't know where they got that the voice in the background, but sponsored by Skate. So anyway, that's me for the doing this voice work, dinner of hot and it's going on all these stations that I had no idea that yeah. it was. You're a star, man. I know, and they owe you some money, apparently. Apparently, I, I don't know if I'm great at voice. I, I need some some more work on there. The voice. I, I thought it was great. But this is an awesome event. You know, if you're in Louisiana, South Louisiana during this time, like yeah. this is a one of the the coolest events I've ever been to. Well, and look, if if you're one of the listeners in Saudi Arabia and you've never had ball crawfish, a ball shrimp. Yeah. Some scrimps. And you have the means to fly. Yes. <laughs> come join us. <laughs> Cash in some of that earl. <laughs> get on a jet. Oh fly here and get some scrimps. <clears throat> You know, you know what I've noticed about the show. Okay, so what? naturally, when I laugh, right. I laugh loud and obnoxiously, mm-hmm. but that's not good on air. But right. you're making me laugh so much lately that I'm trying to control my level of, of obnoxiousness when I laugh. Okay, so it's speaking difficult. of speaking of laughing, uh, I saw this article that kind of reminded me of maybe your future. <laughs> okay, so 
um, speaking of like Taiwan mm. and, and all these countries that are listening to the show. Yeah. Um, so in Japan, uh, these older bald guys, so they're bald now. Hence my future. Hence your future. That's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. Now, you're not bald now. Uh, balding. But you're in your you know 30s. I think maybe by your 40s. Oh, yeah. It's still a verb, balding. It's not an adjective yet, bald. Right. But it's it's moving that direction. Right. But but you'll be great. But anyway, I was thinking you have a future uh, being bald. So these guys, um, you know, had heads just completely shaved. You know, like they're 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 shiny, right? So I don't know if they have like if they're fully bald or just their tops bald, but they just shave their whole head. And there's this competition where they put suction cups on their heads with a string in the middle, and then they they pull. And whoever pulls the suction cup off the other person's head wins. Are you serious? Yeah, it's amazing. The Japanese men hold competition to celebrate baldness. You should celebrate it, bro. Wow. Yeah, like we live in America where it's like, you know, there's there's shame and everything. We're so vain. <laughs> Is there? <laughs> You're so vain. You know, we got all this stuff. It's like, dude, look. Yeah. Japanese, they're celebrating baldness. By playing this game, and I, and I and I love this. This one guy, he's forty three. He says, "My head still hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to ice it." That's what he said. That's an inspiring quote. Yeah, but he said it in Japanese, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This other guy says, "I feel proud," or maybe I should say, "I feel good about being a bald man." <laughs> <laughs> now the suction cups. Yeah. What are they like? I mean, we're talking like plungers. No, or they're, little tiny things. Yeah, they're they're these little white you know, kind of suction cups, you know, and then the string in the middle, but (laughs) leave it to their creativity. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't know what they tell their wives. What do you think think the main muscles are that? Honey, where are you going? Yeah. Go and play ball. Is there a a scalp? What? what, You're a muscle guy. What are the muscles that? I'm a muscle guy. (laughs) You're known for that. (laughs) What are the main muscles involved to give you the advantage? I can tell you this. I have never used the top of my scalp. To accomplish anything, yeah. So Are I don't there know muscles there. I, what, that's what you're asking me, but then you're asking yourself. You're a muscle guy. I I don't know. We can look it up. All right. The scout the scout muscle sounds good. But anyway, there's a future for you. Thanks, man. I just have there to you. move to Japan. Well, look, if you're a listener in Japan and you have like a house that I could stay at during the bald man competition, please let me know. No, exactly. So that's for our section, have you seen? I, I usually like to bring that up, but uh, we're in the middle of Lent. Yes. Adam. Welcome to Lent. Okay. And I saw this, that, and I really liked it. Okay. So if you had to give up everything in Lent but one thing to kind of keep you surviving, what would you keep? Hmm. Like one? Like food. Food. Yeah. Um, I would keep meat. I know some people give up meat right. all Lent. Okay. But I've noticed if I don't eat meat, my health kind of I need I need the stamina. You that turn meat green. Provides. You lose yes. that protein. <laughs> uh so the in the seventeenth century these monks um did a beer fast. So they gave up everything and they made a beer that held enough calories wow. um to sustain them all of Lent. So the only thing that they consumed was beer. Not even water? How awesome is that? It sounds like a frat party for Lent. Yeah, so... 
But I would imagine that homemade beer, especially at the time, it was a lot hardier than, say, like, you know, your grocery store. Well, it was the 1600s. The Polliner yeah. monks moved from southern Italy to um, Bavaria, um, and they they made this beer, um, you know, that had enough calories. So it's beers made of wheat. Yeah. Um, so it's basically like liquid bread. It's basically like liquid bread, yes. Um, so I don't know how high the alcohol content was uh in it, but but the calorie, um, you know, swing went up yeah. to so that they could survive. I bet the joy of the gospel was alive in that monastery. So, if you could have one beer throughout Lent to sustain you, what would it be? Like, do you have a fave? I like anything that's obscure and slightly hipster, but not like flavored. Like just beer, not okay. adding raspberry or strawberry. But it's also hipster. Like, not many people have heard of it. Okay, so our guest today is beer connoisseur. Really? Per se. No, we're not going to just talk about that. We have a great conversation today, so I'm excited about any Hickman being on the show. But I think he, I'm going to throw this at him and see what he says. But uh, I, w- I would probably, I would stick to Guinness all Lent. You're a Guinness guy, huh? Yeah. It is a hearty one. Hearty, desserty, milly, <laughs> calorie, calorie-esque. <laughs> Gosh. So what did you give up for Lent? Like what what's God what's God doing in your life for Lent? That's a great question. So having kids, uh, we try to do things together. Okay. Right? So I've I've learned to kind of build my penances around one thing we want to grow together as a family. Okay. So it all works. And the idea of encouragement is what mm. we're working on. That we would encourage each other. Right. Um and so we're giving up discouragement. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but we do this thing where they make their, their Lent jars. And they put beans for every time they're encouraging. Nice. We do that every year. We work with some. And then on Easter Sunday, they boop, turn into jelly beans. I love it. See, all parents with little kids, there's Adam <laughs> with a great idea. What are you doing? So I have older kids. You know, they all pray about what they want to do for Lent. And they, they all come with their things, which is great. Um, so, you know, I'm entering in a little bit more sacramentally to the church. Going to mass a little bit more during the week, mm-hmm. giving up a few things, soft drinks, alcohol. Not that I drink those things a lot, but I just really want to focus in on uh, kind of fasting from something every day uh, to remind me and bring me into prayer. And then I'm doing, um, uh, uh, I'm working on patience in our house. So we try to pray as a family. So that's our thing as our unit. We try to pray every day and then um, through Lent. I'm trying to work on patience as mm. a dad. When do you lack that? Well, you know, we had a guest weeks ago, Ryan O'Hara. Yeah. And, he's, and he said, um, you know, he can't control what his kids do mm-hmm. all the time, but he can control how he reacts mm-hmm. and acts during those moments. And that really hit me. Uh, and I want to to do that during Lent. Like I want to ask for the grace of God to be patient enough so that 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 through that grace I can control the way I react in moments uh, where where um, you know I don't overreact or do something. Or, or, well, well said. I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, apparently I'm doing vo- voiceover work, um, and maybe Eddie can give me a shout out through Delta Media. Why not? Why not? So anyway, great show today. I'm excited about Annie Hickman coming on. And um, it's going to be a good one. Paul George Show. Be right back.
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Excited to have on the show today, Any Hickman, Houston, Texas. Any, how's it going, man? It's going great, man. I got cold again. I know. It I'm got worried light. about my worried about my garden. I know. Sixty degrees in, in March. It's freezing. <laughs> you know, it's like sixty-five here, man. Sixty there. Woo. Yeah, I know. You put on a hoodie today. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I got my famous hoodie that I, I like to put on. Anyway, I, hey, you've been on the show before. You're coming back on, so thanks for taking the time. Hey, we're in the middle Absolutely. of Lent, and I was just talking with Adam in the first segment. There was this group of monks in the 17th century. I, I thought you would dig this, that for yeah. Lent, they didn't eat anything, so they fasted from everything but beer. Well, of course, man. Yeah, it's food. Yeah, it's exactly. So, so they brewed a, a special type of beer that would give them enough calories. Huh? Now they all lost weight, yeah. so it's not like they got fat on beer, but th that's all right. they did. So, so it, just in their gut, just in their gut, right? <laughs> right, right. They so, lost weight in their neck and everywhere else except their gut. Yeah. Yeah. So, w would you go down with that? Would you? Would you dig that? Would you do it? A beer only diet, um, man. I think that's the next big thing. Honestly, I think we need to write a book. A health a health program beer only yeah i think yeah i'll I, yeah i i'll rock that okay. not this lent right next lent so if you had to choose yeah, one beer working on a few other things one beer to go with what would you go with uh it would have to be uh chimay you know keeping it in the keeping it in the uh the monk's uh hand you know the belgian uh Chimay. Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's that, a it's a it's a it's a beautiful beer. So and and I'm sure it's uh, high in calories and it's got plenty of sugar to to keep me going through the day. But uh, probably couldn't drink more than I don't know seventeen of those. So right, exactly. Well, Chimay is a <laughs> it is brewed by Trappist monks in Belgium. So that's right. you can keep that's it that, right. that yeah. name. Uh, so yeah, but yeah. anyway, with Lent, what, what's God doing in your life in Lent? Like what, what are you sacrificing Man, or fasting or, you know, leaning uh, into with Lent these days? I'm like, I'm, I, uh, I'm, do, you remember the old sticker like boards, you know, you did like, I don't know if your mom ever did this to you, but like when you went potty, you know, you know, when you're a kid and then she like put a sticker, like on a chart, like a sticker chart. Yep. Uh, there was, <laughs> Well, I, I'm applying that to Lent, actually. I, rather than, like, give up, like, one big thing or two big things, I'm doing seven things, and then if I accomplish them in the day, I just put a sticker. Um, and, like, yesterday, Ash Wednesday, I failed on two things. So I, But I still got five, I still got five stickers. Nice. You know? so, um, so it's like, yeah, hey, I'm, doing, I'm not doing it too bad, right? So today I've started out, I'm, I, you know, I have it uh, – I haven't broken any of the, the, the promises, so I might get all seven stickers today. But I, I, feel, I feel like sometimes Lent, for me, I, I, I put too much pressure on myself. Yeah. You know, I think people in general, like, put too much pressure on themselves to, to make it, you know, to, to have the perfect Lent. The other night, Kane and I, my wife and I were talking, and she was like, she's like, and have you ever had, like, a perfect Lent? I'm like, what is that? You know, like, right. what is, I, it's a myth, you know, it, it, you know, Lent, uh, God, God cares more about our heart than he does whether or not we eat cookies, you know, like yeah. it's just a, it's a, it's a journey, you know? So anyway, I kind of took the pressure off myself this Lent and just said like, look, God, God wants me to journey through this stuff. So it's like seven things that are 
just, you know, a part of uh, daily growth, you know, um, prayer and scripture before I look at my phone. Hmm. Uh, that's, that's a, that's, that's the first thing in the morning. You know, like don't look at the phone, don't look at Instagram, don't check email, don't do anything in between before I, um, you know, pray and, and read scripture and, you know, a few things like that, that I just know I need, I need to amend in my daily walk. And so, so set seven little goals and, and I get a sparkly sticker at the end of the day. If I, if I do it right. I, we learned everything that we need to know in kindergarten. Man. Well, I mean, scripture I mean, it, says it, it's really true. Yeah, scripture yeah. says you know, you know, become like a child, right? And so you're just mm-hmm. going back to that. I, I mean, I don't know. I would do something like jelly beans or something, you know, other than <laughs> stickers, jelly beans in a jar. But who would ever come up with a jelly bean idea? You know, no, 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 no jelly beans. Well, especially during lunch. I mean, you know, it'd have to be like. A beer. That's what we should do. Next lent, we'll do a beer for every, you know, every promise we keep through the, through the, through the week. In a jar. That'll be our food. In a jar. In a jar. <laughs> yeah, I was talking with I love my, it. my family around the table as well, and you know, you have kids that are that are a little bit older now, and then you got some young kids, and so your older kids kind of decide what they want to do and can pray into that. And we were talking as a family, a lot of times we set our standards too high. We try to do too many things during Lent instead of kind of just, you know, going into Lent, asking God, what are some things that I can work on that are achievable that can help me grow in my relationship with you? You know? And so it looks like, like like what you're trying to do is, you know, we're not setting our standards low. We're just saying, I want, I want to make them achievable so that at the end of it, like I've grown in virtue and in holiness, right? Right, right, exactly. Like, ten, ten, you know, it used to be I would, you know, I'd, I'd fail at praying in the morning, you know, 70% of the time. You know, there was 30% of the time where I was, I, was, I was praying in the morning. Well, at the end of this Lent, like, maybe I moved that tick, like, two percent you know (laughs) like where i come through this land i'm like oh i've only you know i only fail 68 percent of the time you know and i think that i think that's life that's a spiritual walk i think you know oftentimes we just put our standards so stinking high that we forget that god is walking with us and he's given us his spirit so that we can you know we can progress closer and closer to him not all at once i'm you know i'm perfect all you know I think it's uh, it's exhausting, first of all, and and I think it's a lie. I think it's a lie that we believe that you know, um, it, like a trick of Satan that that uh, that our Lent has to be perfect. I think it's just again, it's that walking with Christ is following you know as His bride, and He's just He's looking at us in love and just wants us to pursue Him a little bit more, you know, each each and every day. So. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about. I was ready for Lent, bro. Oh, I was so ready for Lent. I I I just feel like I've been so fat and lazy. Yeah, you're ramping up. <laughs> well, th- th- yeah, man. Yeah, I'm talking to any any Hickman Houston, Texas, adoreministries.com at any four on Twitter. Um, I I think that's the beauty of the church, is it not that uh, that you know the liturgical seasons keep coming around uh, to draw us back into the spiritual life and, and into growth. And as soon as we kind of get lazy or we kind of apathetic or, 
or just coasting, here comes a season that's saying, hey, wake up, you know, jump back in. Perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect timing. It, I just feel like it was perfect timing. It always is. It's always perfect timing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really pumped about this land. We got a lot, of, we got a lot going on. Um, and, you know, I, you and I were talking about this the other day, how, you know, sometimes as you get older in life, you have, you know, your dad and your husband and, you know, head of a household or head of a ministry and stuff like that, uh, Lent oftentimes comes to us, you know, it's, it's almost like we don't have to try anymore. The big things, the big struggles, the big, you know, um, you know, bumps in the road and things like that, they, they seem to come no matter what. And right. so I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to pray, um, through this Lent. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. The per- I, love, I love the season I, of Lent. I, I guess the perfect Lent is Jesus dying on the cross. <laughs> we'll never, <laughs> yeah. we'll no, never, that's, I know that's 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 kind of what I answered her. I was like, uh, "Yeah, this is my thirty eighth. It's my thirty eighth perfect Lent because it's not about us. Like it's not about us. You know, we right. want to make it about our thing. Right. And God's like, hello. <laughs> you know, like it was. Right. It's about me. I did this. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's fantastic. But yeah, the other thing. I mean, the other thing I've just been praying through. Um, you know, is uh, um, is is this idea of uh, unity. Um, my, my, uh, my heart's kind of breaking right now, just as I meet, as I meet folks, um, you know, around the country and even in our own city, uh, we're, we're, we've kind of lost this, uh, this sense of family among in, in the church. And I'm, uh, I was just really struck by this. I heard this the other day, uh, I was reading in a book and it said, when, when God looks at the church, he, he doesn't see an organization. He doesn't see a club. He sees a family. You know, these are all of his, they're all, we're all his children. And if, and if you are, you know, if you're following Jesus and you are depending on the spirit of God to, to be your motivate, motivating force in your life, um, you're my brother, hmm. you're, you're my sister. And, uh, we, we oftentimes just don't, we don't treat each other that way. Um, and, uh, so I, that's, that's one of my big, that's one of my big prayers through Lent. It's just been on my heart. Like I, I need, I need to really think through what that means to be in fellowship with other, with other Christians, um, Catholic, non-Catholic, uh, just even, you know, believers, people who are like, well, I don't go to church, but like, I, I, I believe like, are, do I treat them truly like brothers and sisters? Cause you know, it, it, for the for the folks, the earlier early followers, you know, followers of the way, those people who had just witnessed the resurrection, and they're living in community. Like, unity was way more intense than that. Yeah. You know, it was. Uh, I mean, there's these crazy lines in the Book of Acts where it says, you know, they were all of one heart and one mind, and no one counted his own possessions as his own. Like, and they they didn't. It's like they weren't even living here their possessions their things their shoes like everything was to serve each other in the body and i and i think about that and i look at the guys you know and it's a little freaky because i look at like homeless christians and i go should i be you know should i be inviting that guy into my house like should he be living with me you know because i think early in i mean early on i mean that's literally what it looked like you know those who had property sold it all right, and, so uh, uh, yeah, that's that's a cra- crazy thought, and uh, I want to stick with that and ask you more questions. Get into this yeah, conversation sure, sure. when we come back. This is Paul Charles oh. Show. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Got any Hickman Houston, Texas, Adore Ministries at any four on the line with us. Uh, great to be with you today, any. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, this, I know you- this is always a this is always a blast. Yeah, absolutely. So Adam's doing jelly bean jars for Lent, and um, you're you're doing Adam. Adam Adam who? Adam Conk, producer. Adam's here. Hey, oh, nice. Yeah, Adam. Okay, what's up, man? Yeah. The jelly beans, right? Yeah. Je- you know, he can't talk during this segment. This is what's funny. And <laughs> you're doing stickers. I'm thinking I'm the only one here not doing a jar. I, I'm thinking pork pork chops jar. Can I do pork chops in a jar or something? That sounds, yeah, it sounds disgusting. It sounds absolutely <laughs> disgusting. Adam Adam BBs. called, Adam called me a muscle head earlier, so maybe I should just eat meat for Lent. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. It, anyway, we're in this this conversation about unity, and really, no greater time to talk about this than Lent, because what unifies us all is Jesus on the cross. And and um, right. but I think we all feel, and, and I just want to say, sort of as a listener to what you're saying, and and probably what a lot of people are thinking is we've all felt this sense of disunity or brokenness within the family. And that has a lot to do with, with you know, access to the media and what we see around the world more than ever. And, you know, of course, the, the political landscape and, and, you know, the racial landscape, all these things are kind of thrown out at us. And, and a lot of times we sit back and say, man, our world is so torn and so broken. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're disunified you know, the church is disunified and, and we all see that. Right. But that's not what God, right. that's not what God wants. And, and God certainly is calling and asking us to bring unity. Uh, but what does that look like? How, how do we move forward in, in, in some action so that, that we can all play a role in loving the family and bringing the family together, you know, the church family and the yeah. world. Yeah, I know. I, th- I think you're so right. Like it just, every day we're bombarded by by this stuff and it's really easy for me to immediately lose hope you know and and just kind of go all right i'm just gonna i'm gonna huddle with my friends and i'm just gonna you know lock lock the doors and or move to the country and just you know do my thing with my family and i i i keep hearing the i mean i just keep hearing these words of christ and i think I think for me, um, a great encourager uh, would be somebody like Therese Lisieux or Mother Teresa, who, you know, did the small things, hmm. you know, really well. And I think we lose hope when we look at the entire world and all of the disunity and all of the craziness that's going on, because we see it as insurmountable and impossible. And, you know, there's no way that we could ever affect change in the political landscape or the, you know, world hunger, world power, you know, global conflict, all this stuff. We're just like, there's no way I can do that. Right. But what God is saying is, is for us to act like family where we can act like family. You know, mm-hmm. Mother Teresa has that great quote about the 10 foot radius, you know, like just love those within your 10 foot radius. And, you know, act like, you know, they're your brother, they're your sister. And, um, and, 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 th- and, you know, something that's been just haunting me is this, um, is this line, line in, uh, in John 17, you know, as Jesus is praying to the father, like his final, you know, farewell prayer there in front of the apostles, he prays, 
that they might be one, perfectly one, mm-hmm. as you and I, Father, are one. And that's that's really intense. Yeah. You know, like a prayer from the second person of the Trinity to the first person of the Trinity. Um, it's kind of like, I mean, what is that? Is that? Are they talking to themselves? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? It's so intense. This is such, so intense that they are one. And he, he's praying that we're one like that. And then the craziest part is that he says, so that the world will know that I love them, you know? And that's blowing my mind because mathematically, you know, when we look at everything that's going wrong in the world and we lose hope, we, we kind of come up with all these other schemes and things. And, you know, maybe if this will work or we elect this candidate or we do this or we send money here, we do all this thing. And God's like, you know what I'm praying for? I'm praying that you are one. Mm. And the, the great mystery of this is that, you know, I can say to non-believers until I'm blue in the face, you know, like Jesus forgives you and Jesus is merciful and Jesus loves you and the church is your home and blah, blah, you know, all these things that we could say with our mouth. But, and there might be a few people who are like, oh yeah, cool. Like I'll join up. That's great. But when we're one as a Christian family and loving each other, like constantly, like, what do you need? I'll take care of you. You want a job? You need my coat? You need my, yeah, we're constantly doing that. <laughs> the world looks in and goes, what the heck is that? You know, like, right. what is this community of love? And they're like, you mean if I join that thing, I will be treated that way? Like, I will understand, you know, like that, that sort of uh, family thing. I, so I, you know, so that is the great mystery of that. And so on a world scale, we might not be able to affect much change, but in my cul-de-sac, I can. Yeah. You know, in, in, my, in my family, I can. In my parish community, I can. Um, be that crazy per. I mean, I, just for listeners out here, and, and really I'm preaching to myself too, just the encouragement, like, be that crazy person. It literally goes to every person in the pew and says hello. Right. You know that lady that comes up and you're like, dude, leave me alone. Like, <laughs> I think God really wants us more to be like that crazy church lady that can't help herself but smile and go and greet everyone, you know, and, and how can I pray for you? Or what do you need this week? Or, you know, that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, that would be the encouragement today for, for all of us, I think. Yeah, it, it's we're all feeling it. And I think when Jesus is praying that prayer, he's, he's looking at his apostles and saying, look, guys, we don't have time for disunity. Like the world's, yeah, right. the world's a mess. Like nobody has right. time for this. And his prayer, you know, is obviously he's in union with the father and he's praying that we'll all be in union. We'll be one. And, and that's his mission. That's God's mission is to bring us in union with him, to be one with him, you know, and right. disunity is disfraction in God's heart. And and to him, I don't think there's anything that breaks his heart more than disunity in his family, right? right? Um, well, I know that as a dad, like, that's, I mean, that, that breaks my heart, you know, when there's, when there's one, you know, a child's being selfish or a child that's in need and not being served. Like, that's, that is, that will break a father's heart. Absolutely. You know? It absolutely If he's will. desiring that everybody loves you know, and knows his love, you know, yeah, of course, that's, that's going to break his heart. And that is his mission, you know, that we all know that he loves us. Um, and, and we're called to, to, you know, it sounds cliche, but to show that exact type type of love, you know, to each other, especially within our family. Yeah. You know, I I love the quote from mother Teresa that you brought up, you know, the 10 foot radius. And I think we look at the landscape and we think there's, I can't do anything with this world problem and world hunger and, and, 
this disunity and this racial tension. And, and the reality is, is we can do what's in front of us, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, I've been challenged a lot lately. Uh, am I going out of my way to love people? And so one of the things that I've been doing, and I don't, maybe I'm becoming the old church lady, but I, I'm making an <laughs> effort, like when I'm in public, like grocery stores or restaurants. I think that's against church teaching, bro. To whatever. To uh, <laughs> to like talk to people who who uh, who I don't know, and that's uncomfortable for me because I'm I'm you know I'm I'm I don't just you know talk to strangers, but I I I've been moving myself into action, saying. Here's a, here's a person that looks different than me, acts different. I don't even know what religion they are. I'm just going to talk to them um, with no right. agenda other than to let them know that, that like, they're a person, you know, and that, like, right. I, I care. And we can begin yeah. to, to really do that in tangible ways. Right. Yeah, and I think the tangible way for me, and this is something I'm working on too, Paul. Um, I'm glad you bring that up. Like, I am so, I, when I do the uh, personality test or whatever, like I'm, I'm a J, you know, I'm a judger and, and judger, you know, to say I judge doesn't mean like, all right, I'm, I'm like judging people's salvation. Like, well, you're going to hell, you're going to heaven, you're going to hell. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying what I do is if I get into a crowd of people or I'm in a circle of people, I just, I, I convince myself that I understand that person. And right. I know them, you know, like hmm. I know, I, I know all about you. 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 I, I, you know, and you make these assessments, these judgments, right. like you're like this, you're like this, you're like this. And I think that what, what I'm, that first step for me that I'm finding out is God, give me a curiosity about this person. Hmm. Give me a true, genuine curiosity about that person. Because when I, when I go, Hey man, where are you from? You know, like I, I want, I want to be curious. What, what, what's your, what's your genetic makeup? What, what, what's your personality? Where are you from? What's what, your what story? Perhaps you what's your story, man? Like yeah. what is going on? And you know, as soon as you start asking questions, you, it actually happens. You begin to be curious. No way. Yeah. That happened to you. Like no way you were on a boat from Vietnam and it was attacked by pirates. Like, are you kidding me right now? Right. You paddled to shore with, because your engines were disabled by machine gun fire like what are you you know all of a sudden i don't see this person as just an you know an asian pacific person that is like you know whatever i want to you know the, whatever stereotype i want to make about that now i see this person as as a fascinating brother you know of wow that really happened to you so so and then that creates empathy i think and that's what the world needs is more empathy because empathy leads to compassion and, and so if we're quick to judge a person, like I understand you, yep. um, rather than just be curious about them, we're never going to, we're never, we're never going to, you know, show that love that Christ is asking us to, to show because, Amen. uh, you know, we really can't be compassionate if yeah. we don't have empathy. And maybe for you know, listening so. today, uh, during this Lent, that one of the things that you can do very simply is love the people around you and make an effort to bring unity in God's family uh, to love the people around us. Dude, thanks so much for coming on, taking the time and ah, sure. for, for just leading this conversation today. You're awesome. Yeah, man, dude, I love you. And I, I, I love what y'all are doing out there and I'm always honored to be on. All right, bro. Have a good one, man.
Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Great guest, Any Hickman at Any4 on Twitter. Phenomenal conversation. Adam, you've been a little quiet over there, but you did you did peep in. Yeah, I peeped. You well, peeped. He, you, you called me out. <laughs> I did call you so out. So I had to peep. Which was awesome. Yeah. So good. You're sitting over there just like, you know, I'm, I'm picking on your jelly beans. and Yeah. And well, and for the record, they turn into jelly beans on Easter Sunday. How do they turn into jelly beans? Who knows? Maybe the Easter bunny? I mean, is this magic? Uh, maybe. Uh, a little family oh, magic. It's magic. Uh, so, okay, what do you put in the jars now? Beans, pinto beans. So beans, then they turn into jelly beans. And right. Okay. So, but I, still, I love his sticker thing. That's hilarious. Still jelly beans. I think the sticker thing's brilliant. I think it's going to be effective. You I know, think just, that's a great just thing. Just kind of treat yourself like that's a kid awesome. and reward yourself. And I think you and your wife should have a jelly bean jar as well, not just your kids. Maybe we should. All right, set one up today. All right, so what did you learn on the show today? I learned that being bald can actually be a sign of strength. It's a good thing. Yeah. Celebrate so it. I want to celebrate my present and future baldness. Yep. Okay. What did you learn? Is that all you learned? No, but it's the funnest thing. <laughs> all right, I learned that uh, that uh, jelly beans and stickers can be a good thing as well, and that I should have a jar or some type of reward system i saw your brain turning about all that you're yeah. like what can i do yeah yeah mm-hmm. i also learned that uh i need to i need to motivate and push myself uh to to help bring unity and love into god's family wow yeah that's that's a great moment it's a great yeah. thing to learn no i was really challenged by the conversation so so cool that's that's what i learned today right on yeah so how about six pack of questions Question. All right, question number one. So y'all brought up the famous Chimay beer made by the Trappist monks of Belgium. Yes. Have you ever had Chimay? I have it. Okay, I'll I'm, have to treat I'm you. Pole. I'll have to treat you. <laughs> um, so Trappist monks, if it's, you had to join any religious order, what would it be? What suits your personality? Um, so... If I'm going to join a religious order, I'm going hard to the paint. Is that right? Yeah. Like, I'm going Navy SEAL. Like, hermit type stuff? I don't I don't know. Like, Trappist is pretty hard to the paint. Is it? That's why they make beer. They get to make beer, though. Yeah, but they do that because everything else stinks about their life. <laughs> no, but, I mean, they're very austere. So right. they make the beer. It rhymes. What does austere mean for our listeners? Uh, they're very uh, strict on not enjoying earthly Pleasures. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, beer. but beer. Actually they make the beer and but sell beer. it because it um you know supports how they make their income, yeah. Yeah, how they make their income. I, I don't I don't know, maybe like a like a like a Franciscan who lives like in the inner city. Yeah, or, like the Friars of Renewal up in New York City. Something like that. You could yeah. grow out your beard. I would you know, because it's me, just because this is me, like I would not want to associate with one, I would combine them all. So I'd like the the mind of the Jesuit. So you'd start your own. Like the radical of the Franciscan, you know, sort of the the the, the, the coolness of like the Benedictine and the, you know, like I would I would com- combine them. So you'd be a founder. The the Georgians. Yeah, probably. I'd join the Georgians. Probably. If you would have me. Probably. Number two. So I talked about 
giving up things for land or, or these kinds of things. What was the hardest thing you ever gave up? Like you actually, it was a difficult time to make it through Lent. What was the hardest pinnacle? So you somebody took asked me if I knew these questions ahead of time. Really? Yeah, and I don't. So Absolutely you, you not. prepare these things in your silent corner over there. That's right. During the interview, I write them down, which is hysterical, and I don't know what they are. Uh, okay, so the hardest Lent. Well, the hardest thing penance you took on, or something that like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna make it, but then you, and maybe you don't. I don't know. Okay, so I gave up caffeine overnight. I know this sounds shallow, but apparently you're supposed to wean yourself off. Yeah. And what I didn't realize is that it had massive, like, migraine headaches for, like, a week. And I didn't know why. I thought I was getting sick. And then it finally realized it was because I just, I went, you know, cold turkey. the paint, yeah. And, uh, man, people were like, yeah, you should not do that again. <laughs> so, anyway. That qualifies. Uh, but after that was over, it was fine. Mm-hmm. So I should just do it better next time. But I do remember one land. I gave up some things really hard. It was like by the time Easter came, it was like time. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? Give me one. I, I can't remember. Uh-uh. It blocked your memory. It yeah. It's just that traumatic. Yeah. All right. Number three. Y'all talked a good bit about communities, which was cool. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was great. And he was, was bringing it hard about unity. Right. Community. Um. And you've been involved with many communities. Uh, you've lived different places, but you've also just worked with a lot of parishes and schools, whatever. Mm-hmm. So what are some communities that really impressed you? Like maybe you lived there for a little while and like, man, that's, or you just visited for like a parish mission or something like, wow. This is awesome. That is a beautiful community. Mm-hmm. Well, I love Lafayette where we live. Um, just a great town, great city. The cool thing about Louisiana is it's one of the few places in the country, even in the world, it still has culture. So not only religious culture, uh, but just culture in general with the French and the Cajun and, and you know, sort of things that bring, cult- what makes a culture is food and family and language and music. It, it has that flavor here. So you get community uh, within the culture and then you add the faith into that. And mm-hmm. then it's sort of like this really cool place to live. Uh, but there are places around the country that are like that and that, and that have traveled uh, that still have culture and faith combined. And when you find those communities, they're really fascinating. Like there's some places in the Northeast that that uh, that still have that, that community like Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some places in New York um, that, that still have that sense of, you know, culture and community that come together with faith. And when you find faith in the center of, of what, of cult of a culture it's really really cool it's it's vibrant because it's like you have all of it uh together yeah cool so you actually moved to a community that impressed you yeah nice yeah is that one of the factors in in moving here well you know i love louisiana and originally from here so Mm -hmm. it was yeah this is a great place for our family yeah yeah and i have people all the time say i wish i lived in louisiana you know really yeah because of the culture and the people Interesting. Yeah, but there are other places around the country that are like that. And there's places that are very vanilla. What does that mean? It's just bland. It's like they have uh, no culture. See, I like vanilla. And, you know. All right. I'll give you that. All right, number four. So you talked about family in the church. And I know you've had an experience like this. But what was maybe your most memorable experience of experiencing the family of the church with a total stranger? Like somebody you just met, but... It's like your brothers. 
Or sisters. Or, no, you're a brother. You know what I mean. Or a sister. Right. But we're not sisters. Right, because that would be difficult. That would be difficult. <laughs> um, you know, probably one of the most organic and cool things that I've ever been a part of in an unfortunate and fortunate way was af- in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina in 2005, mm-hmm. which was um, the third largest devastating natural disaster in the United States, but the deadliest, the number one. Uh, almost 2,000 people lost their lives. Hmm. And we lived community in Houma, Louisiana, and it became this this stopping point of shelters overnight. And um, so we found ourselves working in shelters, our ministry and our community and friends and and family. And so all of a sudden, like, you're literally, you know, hand in hand and shoulder to shoulder with people you never seen in your life you just met who were in need and then they're living in the shelter and you're basically living there you just go home at night and sleep and eat and um i've never had more of a sense of community and family at any point in my life than then uh from people who were different races and backgrounds and socioeconomic you know scenarios and uh it was it was a combination of god's family uh, in every shape and size and color that you can imagine. And I've, n- I've never been loved the most and I've never loved the most. Mm-hmm. And when any was talking about mother Teresa, I've never experienced uh, more what mother Teresa would have experienced than in, in that year of work from, from the, the disaster of hurricane Katrina. It's awesome. Yeah. So, wow, man, try to book about that, that experience. I do have a chapter uh, a story in one of the chapters of a book I'm writing. So Cool. Yeah. We'll look forward to that. Number five. So, Enity talked about unity, and you brought up this idea of disunity, that how that really displeases God mm-hmm. in the church, which I think we all agree. But what do you think is maybe the number one thing that causes that disunity? Where does it come from within the church itself? Uh, gosh, I, you, I think we could do a whole show on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pride. We all know what we, we think we know and what's best, and you know, we and then we get in our corners and we want to fight over dogma. And a lot of times we just have to put the, the, the boxing gloves down, the sword down, and we need a love. And we need to find common ground. And I, I can't point it to one thing, but I do think in times of tension, we all get into our corners and we just want to fight it, fight it out instead of hug it out. <laughs> hug it hug out. It out. <laughs> all right, last question. So you called yourself an introvert today and you've done that before, but yet... You talk to a lot of people. Yes. So explain this to me. How are you an introvert So again? introverts don't mean you're shy. It just means that you're energized by being alone or having some downtime. And then you're energized to go out and, and do your thing and meet people and stuff. So I'm introverted. I get downtime. I like to read. I like quiet time. But then I can come out of that and just love life and love people. So anyway. Interesting. Yeah. Introverts rule, bro. It's been a great show. Thanks to Annie Hickman. Adam, you're the best co-host and producer anybody <laughs> with a plunger on your head oh keep God. eating those jelly beans for lint man it's a paul george show you can find us paulgeorge.la podcast on itunes google play we're all over radio magic it's a paul george show we'll be back next week god bless you